Welcome to Women's Brew, where women talk about beer. In today's episode, we're taking some time to talk about a few historical beers. I'm Jan, and this is Tori. Hello. And we're two beer-loving women on a mission to get more people drinking and talking about great beer. Come join us. If you're again. watching the video, again. we are in person. Might be a bit echoey because we're in a different room than usual. We are in an Airbnb. Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my parents are visiting. Yes. I've taken them to Canterbury. And then I was like, well, we need to record an episode yeah. and we have some things we need to share. So here we are in an Airbnb run back to Canterbury. <laughs> it's actually quite a snazzy Airbnb, actually. Yeah, if you look around it, which you cannot see. Very like Art Deco, very yeah, snazzy. Yes, yeah, it's like nice. an art house. <laughs> I like it. With it's the, nice. There's a blue moose's head. There's a in massive the, in the front room, which is a bit weird, but you know. It's, it's quite cool though, it is. It's very like <laughs> artsy, but also like vintage, but also not. It's very, it's interesting, it's good. Yeah. I like it, um, but it is a little bit echoey, and I will yes. like warning. <laughs> People may just come in to get drinks because we are in the kitchen space. Yeah. Um, Stairs. Rick yeah. may walk down the stairs, we don't know. Phelan might join us. Phelan might join us and then she might leave <laughs> us because she's fickle. So, yeah, yeah. but here we are. <laughs> um, so today, this was your idea, wasn't it? Yeah, because I, and for the life of me, I struggled to find the actual beer. That <laughs> kicked, like, so what's really funny about this is I struggled to find the actual beer mm-hmm. that kicked off the idea to do this. Because I originally saw a beer and I don't, again, don't, don't remember who it was. Have never been able to find it since. A good, probably like earlier this year, maybe like springtime, and they had released a beer that was based on an old recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, that would be a really cool idea for a podcast. I kind of like made a mental note of it, and I think I probably even took a screenshot of it at the time, and then must have been like phone clear out, deleted it, or <laughs> uh, thought I'd remember it somehow or something. And then it kind of came back up when Elusive and Partisan released mm-hmm. their collaboration. Um, it was a mild, uh, a mild that was released uh, released based on like the recipe was like quite an old recipe, which we'll get into in a minute. And I saw that and I was like, wow, okay. Well, around the same time, another brewery, Holy Goat, put out something that was a bit of a historic recipe, and we were already going to putting an order with them mm-hmm. for something else anyways and I was like well hang on there's two here now now if I could just find what that first that one was. was it didn't happen um but we filled in the gaps here but that's basically where the origin of this episode came yeah so <laughs> thinking about historical recipes um so we're going to start with because we are in Kent um we're going to start with classic Bishop's Finger I know from about it. Shepherd Knee um, so Shepherd Neem is literally up the road. So I guess that was also when we originally did this, we were like, we yeah. could just do like oldest breweries. Yeah. Like, we, we can throw some that in there. And we're like, oh, Shepherd Neem. Yeah. And then I'm in Kent. So yeah. it felt like, well, we kind of had to. That makes sense. sense. <laughs> uh, so Shepherd Neem claimed to be the oldest brewery in England. Um, they were established in 1698, but there is evidence that brewing took place there long before that according to their website. So I think there's a bit of contention around this, um, but that's what they say on their website, and that's what they base their brand on. Does it say on the bottle? 
Can those tippy taps you hear, those are failing coming in the room, even if you can't mm. see her. You know he's, she's, she's here because you hear tippy tappies <laughs> of little puppy feet. Yeah. Um, it doesn't say on here, but um, uh, they, they claim to be the oldest um, English brewery. They even brewed through the World War, so I think a few, like quite a few breweries, either got shut down during the war or got mm-hmm. bombed out. It says, this award-winning beer from Britain's oldest brewer. Oh, Britain's <laughs> oldest brewer. There you go. Um, but they continue to brew throughout the World Wars. So um, that they are continuously have been brewing since 1698. And they're vegan approved. Look at oh, that. There you vegan go. approved. Look at that. There's nothing in my pocket. Sorry. <laughs> oh, she just wants cuddles. Phelan's just coming up and doing a nudge yeah, on the, on the leg. A, she's boop. Having a... Um, you're part of it you're, you're wanted you're yeah. here that's yeah. great now we ignore you um, this is also one of the yes yeah, it is it is it's, this is also one of Britain's oldest bottled beers oh so it was first brewed in 1958 and it's been brewed ever since then um, so it's one of the oldest Oldest bottled beers in the UK as well. So it's called, you may, you may wonder, why is it called Bishop's Finger? You do wonder. You do wonder. Right, so it's called Bishop's Finger. It's it a weird takes name, its isn't it? name. <laughs> it's a bit of a weird name. It takes its name from the finger shaped signposts which pointed pilgrims on their way to the tomb of Thomas a Becket in Canterbury. And those were apparently called Bishop's Fingers. There you go. Fun fact. Um, it is the first strong ale to be brewed by Shepherd Neen after malt rationing was eased in the late 1950s. So this is, it's, a, it's on the bottle it says it's a Kentish strong ale. Um, when we classify it by things like BJCP, it's actually a um, strong bitter, which you might also hear that style called extra special bitter, extra strong bitter, an ESB. But... Fullers have got the trademark on ESB, so no one else is allowed to call it that. <laughs> so, Shepherd Meme can't call it that. But this is um, a recommended style if you want to try a strong, a strong bitter and learn what it is. So this is a recommended style if you want to practice and find out what that style tastes like. Um, of course, uh-huh. yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Phelan is telling us that we should actually drink this on cask. She was if you like, find come on, it. Guys. She's like, come on, <laughs> drink this on cask. If you can find it on cask anywhere, you could definitely find it on cask in Canterbury. In fact, there is a bar called the Bishop's Finger, um, which probably sells Bishop's Finger Maybe because I'll it give is it a, a Shepherdine's pub. So, should we crack into this? Yeah, let's crack into it. Phelan's getting aggy. Yeah, She's like, come on, guys, like, come on, drink, drink it. Drink the beer. <laughs> drink the beer. I love pouring air some more. I'll let you pour it. Thanks. Oh, thank you. I'll be mum. Did I say that in the US? No. I'll be mother. <laughs> it's a, it's a tea pouring thing. Oh no, you won't have done that because you threw all the tea in the sea. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll chuck the tea. <laughs> That's what we do. We chuck the tea. There's that, like, it's an old thing where people are like, I'll be mother and I'll pour the tea. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, we can do that because we're in person. <laughs> That's exciting. Oh, I love that smell. Yeah, it's very. I'm, I'm like, I can't. So I'm going to be very honest mm-hmm. in the fact that like when I think Shepherd Neem I don't I think my thoughts aren't like as a as a female into craft beer when I think Shepherd Neem I don't 100% think um, really like 
I don't think negative things, but I just don't feel as included in that. If I, that yeah, sense. I would. So my I would thought is agree with that. I don't expect to like the smell. I expect it yeah. to kind of just be a bit old, maybe a bit bland. I mean, I've had a not so great experience at a Shepherd Neem yeah, pub, which I won't talk about. But I had a not great experience. It wasn't the pub's fault no. by any means. A person that frequented that pub. Oh, yes, yes. But it was not the pub's fault. But I think no. for me, when I think of Chef and me, I just go, oh, I don't know. This smells really they're a very, beautiful. They're a very traditional uh, traditional brewery, I would say. Um, very richly malty. Mm. And I definitely get that, like, dried fruit. Yeah. yeah. Smell and the dried fruit taste. Yeah. And yeah. it is really lovely. And actually, I quite know. I think because it's like toffee. When you were saying you can kind of get this in a in a supermarket mm-hmm. if you wanted, obviously here you could probably like you say. I got it in. Cast. I got it in co- in the co-op down the road. <laughs> I think that's the thing is when I think about those, I tend to think of the more like bland yeah. traditional beers that you can get on a supermarket shelf, and I was kind of expecting it to like not be as appealing based on aroma yeah. already, and it and it was. Yeah. Um. Of like, I really want to like Chevrolet because it's nearby. And it's like the oldest brewery and it's traditional, blah, blah, blah. And just, just some of their beers, I'm just like, eh. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Uh, but I do enjoy Bishop's Finger. Like, if it was what was available and there wasn't a, a lot else there, I'd be like, yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a Bishop's Finger. It's like quite, quite a dryness yeah. there as well. Yeah. It's quite nice and I feel like this well, would be because it's, really good with snacks. Yeah, so it's a bitter, <laughs> it's a bitter so it's essentially a pale ale. Yeah. Um, the, you know, B- British bitters are in that pale ale family. So it should be, you know, very drinkable, sessionable, very good with snacks, indeed. And it comes in a clear bottle. Which I'm not a fan of when I see that. Yeah, that's, a, that's always a bit that's of a no-no. That's a neddy no-no there. And I don't think they do, like, um, this, I was reading about it, and interestingly, this has an EU-protected geographical indication. Interesting. So it's protected... Um, which recognises its unique provenance. Uniquely, it is brewed to a charter which states it can only be brewed by the head brewer on a Friday. <laughs> so right? And that it must be brewed using 100% natural ingredients, Kentish hops and barley, and the brewery's own artisanal mineral water. So it can only be brewed on a Friday. I love that's how they're weird. like Fridays right. only. Right. I was like, that's weird. When I was reading that today, they, I was like, mm, what if they that's like, weird. What if they like really need to get an order out because like they've got supplies, they've got to go. They've got to plan it and they've got to brew I on get Friday. It. Yeah, yeah. But then like, what if someone's like, I got COVID. Friday's <laughs> not bad. happening. Too bad. You're not, getting, so. you're not getting Bishop's Finger unless it's brewed on Friday. <laughs> can you imagine? Um, you're like, sorry guys, we cannot stop. We were unable to brew this Friday. There's a lot happening. Things didn't go right. The brewer got COVID. It's not happening. And they were like, can you imagine the look on a supplier's face? Right. Right. Well, you can't <laughs> have it because you can't brew it. Or they had to call it something it. else. Yeah. They're like, uh, I don't know, like the bishop's fist or something like that. They're like, <laughs> we can't call it. That. They're like, That's weird. Yeah. A Pope high five or something yeah. like that. They're like, we can't call it Bishop's Because we didn't brew it on a Friday. Because we didn't brew it on a Friday. No, it was brewed no, on a Saturday. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, so yeah, that, I thought that was really interesting. That's um, very interesting. And that it's got to be brewed with Kentish hops and barley. That's really interesting. Um, which also, to me, was a putting it in a glass bottle is not the best way to do it because those hops are going to get light struck. Yeah. Because there's no protection from a coloured glass. Um, so 
you if you buy this in a bottle, try and get a fresh one <laughs> because um, it could quite easily get light struck because it's in this clear. And bottle. I guess when you're buying it from a supermarket or a yeah. convenience store or so, like if you're just like I kind of want to try it, and you happen to be someplace yeah. that. You know, beware. You don't know. It might be gunk. You, but you also like. I guess that's the thing. It's like you don't know how it's been transported to the store. You mm-hmm. don't know how that store's kept it. Mm-hmm. Even if they're kept on like a high yeah, if they're shelf, kept on a high shelf near a window near, or near near the strip lights, that can do it as well. So yeah. Mm. So if you get a bad one, like it's that's it's possible to get a bad one because they are in glass bottles. Um, but going back to circling back to our. Uh, chat about feeling like Shepherd Neem's not really for women. When I was having a little research earlier this afternoon, um, I found on their front page of their website, Celebrating Women in Brewing. That's pretty cool. Um, and it's, find out how women have helped shape the world of beer and pubs. Click here. So it's like a, kind of, it's a web page <laughs> that they put up for International Women's Day. Oh, wow. Oh, they um, haven't taken this it down. Year, and they haven't Which taken it good. down yet. Um and they were sharing daily posts in March uh, talking about women. So there's, did women create beer? They did. The answer to that is <laughs> yes. Yeah. You don't need to read. I mean, you can go and read it. I'll put the link in in the show notes. But the answer is yes. Answer yes, is we yes. did. Um, feisty females. Their archivist, John Owen, takes a look at some of the key women in the life of Shepherd Neem that have helped shape the brewery over the years. So that's interesting, if you want to have a look at that. Um, and then it names some women that work for Shepherd Neem. So that's quite interesting as well. Um, so I thought that was good because... That was on the plan, by got, the way. Was, when yeah. I mentioned that, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I, 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 I saw you pull up. up a website as I was saying that and I was like, yeah. oh, I must have accidentally stumbled upon yeah. something here. And uh, so one of their technical brewers is a lady, Danielle Whelan. And there was another one. Oh, I thought they had another. Oh, the brewing planning brewing planning manager... She makes sure that Bishop's Finger is brewed on, on Friday, a Friday. Is Nicola Allen. <laughs> so there you go. And then there's a bunch of other ladies that, if you're interested, I'll put that in the show notes. Go and have a look at that because actually I thought that was quite interesting yeah, that, is, that they were highlighting that. That is quite interesting. And I guess, like I said, my my comments are more just my own personal opinion yeah. based on my experience. I said my experience a bit. Like I said, the pub that I had that bad experience in. I mean, that was nothing to do with the pub itself no. or the beer or anything like that. It was to do with the people that were in there. And I think at the time, like, there was two women behind the bar, so it's not like it was even a male-heavy atmosphere in that sense. It wasn't, like, lads running the show or anything like that. I think it was more just, like, we... I was kind of like, I'm not going to say anything, I'm just going to... We were almost done with our night, I was, like, going to carry on this. It wasn't even anything to do with them. Um, But, yeah, I just... I think, for me, when I think traditional... Trad, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> breweries. It's all yeah. like it tends to be more like old men, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like some place that I fit in. So my instinct just doesn't think much. It doesn't think negatively, but I don't have any like things. I'm like, oh yes, really excited about this. I'm just pretty neutral. Yeah, and I will. I was give me a pint of it. I drink it. Like yeah. I would, it's not something that I boycott. No. I just no, go. Just, yeah. Fine. Good beer, good beer is good beer at the end of the day. Sometimes Shepherd's Neem's beer is mm, not good. But some of them are. This one's quite nice. Um, I will say I was quite surprised when I stumbled upon this International Women's Day page because um, our friend Lou and I did speak to the head brewer at Shepherd Neem once at a Meet the Brewer. Um, it was just before 
lockdown actually, like literally a couple of days before. <laughs> um, and we'd set, we'd just come back from International Women's Day at Wildcard, and we said to him about it. And we were like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool if you could do like an event like that round here, and you're our biggest brewer. And he just went, the brewery's not big enough. And that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> like, I guess. So, so I guess it's quite interesting. So I'm I glad like you didn't expect them no, to No, so I didn't expect them to do something like this. So this is definitely like, they've obviously found a different way to um, highlight surprise. women in beer instead, which is a pleasant surprise. So I will put that in the show notes if anybody's interested in having a nosy at it. Nice one. Yeah. So there you go. That is Bishop Swinger from Britain's oldest brewery ever. Britain's oldest brewery um, and one of the oldest bottled beers. Cheers to that. Uh, cool. We're back with our second beer. Second beer. Which is the elusive and partisan collab, which is called Mr. X. It's a 1916 mild. So this is the one that I sort of was like, well, I can get my hands on this one for sure. So let's go with it. So basically, I'll just read the back of the label. So the back of the label is quite important. So it says, um, I just want to check. I don't want to. Yeah, because the top part is literally. Just there. Just there. the standard just thing. I was like. Just standard no. um, Cool. So just read the back for like a little bit of knowledge, insight into it. So it says, we've teamed up with longtime London friends Partisan Brewing to brew this mild based on historic recipe from 1916. Brewed traditionally using invert sugar number three and flaked maize, this mild is golden in colour. Target hops from Herefordshire. <laughs> I always get uh, British names are so confusing. <laughs> I don't. I know it's Her. I know Hereford. It's Herefordshire. Like, you've got. Yeah, there's Hereford. Then there's Herefordshire. Right. So let's try that again. Target hops from Herefordshire lend notes of citrus with a gentle herbal spiciness to mm-hmm. finish. So yeah. Serve in your favourite glass straight from the fridge, which we will. We will. We will, Andy. We will. Um, do you want to crack that open and I'll yeah. sort of give a little bit of background information on that? So I did watch Andy um, is really good at sort of putting up either videos or blog posts or something about like when he releases beers like this. Mm-hmm. So he did put up a blog post um, and he did confirm. So I sort of started Googling like what were the 1816 mild recipes, like mm-hmm. trying to see what I could find, to see if I could figure out which recipe they might have used. And it came up with Courage, Courage's XL. Sounds right. So yeah, um, watched his video and he said it's based on Courage's XL. <laughs> So I was like, good job, good research. I was like, cool, I actually found exactly what it was that he was looking for. So I took down some notes of what he said. Let's see if we can, let's see if mm-hmm. you can figure it out for you actually, before I, I tell mean, you. Number one, ones, number one, you, when you think mild, you think dark. It's quite light. And obviously this is golden. I, did, I have had a golden mild before. I don't think I ever have. I think um, this is probably the lightest mild Only recently had. I had a golden mild from Thornbridge at Peak Ender. Ooh. And I was like, ooh, golden mild, that sounds interesting. And it was. And it like it's lovely looking. This is lovely looking. Similar, yeah, well. I would say it's probably a similar recipe to this from the smell. I haven't tasted it yet, have you? Yeah, this is probably the lightest one I've ever seen. It just looks beautiful in the glass anyways, with the gorgeous head on it and yeah. everything. Um yeah, so in terms of aroma, what aromas do you get? It smells super citrusy. Mm-hmm. But marmalade. Ooh, yeah, that's a good description. It's really fresh. He sort of mentioned, do you want me to tell you what he mentioned before you, on his video? Yeah. Which we can link maybe potentially if I can figure out how yeah. to pull a link for that. 
Uh, basically, he was kind of talking about like sort of caramel notes, and he said like grapefruit, and I was yeah. like, grapefruit is not really, and I get that. Yeah. I was like, grapefruit is not what doesn't I'd tend to be mild. hand in hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I with a mild? But it's exactly what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably get like dark fruit in a regular, like in a dark mild dark fruit. Ooh. But Ooh. oh, did you just drink it? I did. Oh, sorry, I couldn't wait. I didn't think my reaction was going to be so. Ooh, mm. it smells. So I'm going to be real. Mm-hmm. The look lines up with the aroma. Yeah. But the look and aroma don't fully align with the taste for me. In a, they're all good, but it just it's so, for me, quite contrasting. I don't I think mean, it tastes the way it looks. I'm getting tangerine in the taste. It's got a nice body, though. Yeah. That'd be the flavour. I feel like the fruitiness isn't as bitter, mm, maybe, yeah. as I was expecting. Yeah. I think, like, grapefruit, sometimes I tend to think there's a little bit more, like, bitterness well, there. Well, that's, that's from your experience of having, like, grapefruity IPAs. IPAs, yeah. Because they're going to have those American hops in them that give you that grapefruit flavour, and then they have the bitterness from the alpha acids um, resins. Like this, where it's used... What do you use? Target, do you say? Yes, Target. Yeah, which is funny, because um, I saw Andy do a talk about uh, beer obviously <laughs> but it, like elusive beer and then someone was asking about hop choices and things and he told everyone that if you're making a barley wine you need to put target in it <laughs> so he loves a bit of target obviously um which was funny at the time because we'd been having a conversation about how target isn't a very popular hop so. to be fair i mean can i think of any other beer that i know for a fact utilizes target no I mean, it's an English shop, so it's this, gonna but be... this might be the first one that I've tried yeah. that has knowingly had that in there. I've, I don't recollect ever trying a beer specifically that I knew had Target in it because normally yeah. my approach to trying beers will be I see what hops there are, yeah. I kind of taste it, and I go, what do I pull out from it? And then I might go like, actually, you know, especially if it's the first time I've tried a beer with a particular hop, yes, yeah. I tend to then go down the path of okay, let me look up the characteristics of that hop, um, especially if it's a single hop as well, and then try to pull out like what are those characteristics am i getting those characteristics and when it's like multiple hops i kind of like to go well the characteristics i'm getting which hop do i think is coming through more or do they all just work together really well and i don't recall ever having one with target before they probably it's probably not been pointed out that it's got target in it because people just say that it's got british hops in it but i mean i would say this is a sweeter citrus Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely and i think when i say like you know it's different to what it looks like. It's because already, you know how we talk about when we talk about like white stouts yeah. and black IPAs, yeah. and there's that contrast, and it sort of plays with your mind a little bit. And you kind of you go in with what you expected a mild to be. I didn't expect this mild to look like this, so that's already played with my head a bit because yeah. I've gone, wow. Yeah, if you hadn't that looked shocking, if you different. hadn't have read the back of it, and I hadn't have read the back of it uh, to say that it was a golden mild. Yeah. I'd have poured it and been like, what? <laughs> but I just think, in my head this whole yeah. time, I was like, it's going to be even, you know, I was thinking, it's going to be surely dark or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, especially when I bought it, I was like, oh, it's going to be Because I didn't read, I yeah, literally read just read it now. Um, I say, I always like to save my reading and my, my looking into stuff for when we're actually yeah. together. Because I feel like that makes for better, a, a, a natural reaction yes. makes for a better experience. And me having looked at it, know what to expect. Yeah. Not as fun. Um, not as fun for me, not as fun for people. But if you're watching the video, you can see how lightly coloured it is. And it's yeah, it's just... literally, it's literally like that messed with me. And the aroma that came from that, I was like, okay, that's expected. And then it was just the taste, just tasted so much 
like you said, I think I'm used to when I think grapefruit, it's like yeah. grapefruit IPAs, there's a little bit more bitterness there, yeah. maybe some pineiness there. Like this is just more like sweet citrus. Yeah, and I definitely get that kind of earthy spiciness mm. in it, which is lovely. Like just kind of takes away from it being too sweet. I really quite like this. Mm. It's tasty. Yeah. Um, have you got any info on that recipe? Uh, so I couldn't find anything necessarily about the recipe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this, Andy was saying, like, this is really good to try on cask. And I Ooh, think they did put yeah. it on cask, but um, unfortunately, well, I'm we're having it from the The Thornbridge one I had was on cask. And it, yeah, I it bet was it was good. really good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so I couldn't necessarily, I was looking for the recipe and mm-hmm. it was, like, quite hard to find anything that was, like, sort of, recipe specific yeah um but i did think it was really interesting about sort of the the process of like courage from where it started to where it is today so um i've noted down basically courage started in 1787 by john courage mm-hmm. he died in, in 1793 at the age of 36 years old which like that's rick's age like mm. Well, back in the day. But it said he died unexpectedly. There were no details. I was looking for, like, the hot goss. There was no hot goss. I couldn't find anything. (laughs) Nobody was spilling that tea. No one spilled any of that tea. Um, So, yeah. So, at that point in time, it was under the name Courage & Co. Brewery. Mm -hmm. Courage & Co. Brewery. Then, after he died, apparently, his wife, Harriet, took over. But then she died in 1797. So, not long after. Um, from there, the managing clerk, John Donaldson, took over the business, and then the business was renamed to Courage and Donaldson. Okay. So, Makes sense. that was pretty much, like, not, like, yeah. pretty much quickly right after that. Um, in 1888, it was known as Just Courage mm-hmm. by that point. Um, it then merged with Barclay Perkins & Co. Mm-hmm. in 1955. And the name transmorphed into Courage Barclay and Co. Limited. <laughs> then again in 1960, they merged again with a Reading-based brewery called Simmons Brewery, mm-hmm. and the name changed again. It then became Courage Barclay Simmons and Co. Limited. That's a really long name to get. I know. I'm just thinking like every time it's like it merges with someone else, and then another person adds yeah. their name. It's like um. It's like when you have, like you watch Suits and everyone's just like, oh, it's all these law firms and people come and go and the names get ridiculous. And you're like, oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, so that happened. Then it was simplified, just back to Courage Limited in 1970. It was taken over in 1972 by the Imperial Tobacco Group. And since then, it's pretty much, it's gone on to be sold to Fosters and then bought back from them. <laughs> and currently, it's sitting with uh, Wells and Young's Brewing Company. That okay. was as of January 2011. Yeah. So I just thought I couldn't find the recipe for you, but I found a really long. Like I was having to think about it, and I was thinking like seventeen. Like I was just thinking about seventeen hundreds, like a brewery that's been around. Not as old as Shepherd Name, sixteen. Not as old as Shepherd Name. Not as old as Shepherd Name. But as I was like cycling through, I was just thinking yeah. like, oh my god, it's so old. Somebody. I'm pretty sure my granddad used to drink Courage Best Bitter, and we so. Did you see the so the um, uh, sim, like the logo for Courage was a cockerel? Yes, um, I knew that. We, much. I re- distinctly remember there being like a tray at my nan's house that had the cockerel with Courage <laughs> on it, and I used to like when I was really little. They used to be my tea party tray <laughs> with my My Little Pony. Uh, I'm not like it's time for tea. <laughs> it's like a bit, right? <laughs> 
That's it. I feel like that says a lot about my family. Like, <laughs> I like it. It's good. But yeah, I just I thought so I was like, oh yeah. my god, it's like changed hands more times yeah. than I can even begin to comprehend. I must say, probably after two thousand and seven, um, you did start to see courage, best bitter back in like Lidl or Aldi. That's probably because Wells and Young have got it. Because they sell quite a few of their beers in there. I just thought it was funny that it's like it went to Foster's and yeah. then it was like <laughs> Foster, Foster's got rid of it from Foster's <laughs> and then like mm. someone else and I was just like, oh my my mm. word, like how many merge and change hands and then it's like yeah. it went from courage to this to this to this to this to this back to courage and then it's yeah. like oh my god, it's exhausting. It is actually exhausting. But um, then I started looking up the recipes because I never actually so when it comes to invert sugar number three yeah and flaked maize like i feel like flaked maize that's pretty straightforward that's pretty yeah. obvious um it it sort of looks like frosted flakes or like mm-hmm. just corn flakes like cereal corn flakes and apparently i was looking at some websites and like some brewing home brewing websites they were like i want to recreate this recipe again it's like people wanting to recreate historical recipes where there's flaked maize in it mm-hmm. and they're like can i use just corn flakes and people are like yeah I- I've done it and it, like people do by all accounts that I could find online I can't verify because I've not done it myself yeah. but by all accounts from what I saw on homebrew websites people did just use like cornflakes corn cereal cornflakes oh, and what I did think was quite interesting actually was how apparently how they make it also did you know that you could use like popcorn or popped corn like popped popped popcorn. popped corn yeah, well, I suppose so. Yeah, apparently. You can I mean, popcorn. though, I've put donuts in a beer, so you yeah, can but put that seems like in there. I don't know. Like popcorn, just feels like. Is there a reason why it's popped? I don't know. There's just I saw a website and it's like various ways that it'll be something to do with starches, used. I reckon. It was also, um, to be fair, with the the, the flaked maize side of things, yeah. like corn in general. Um, it did get to. It did tend to be used by colonial American brewers mm. because it was available. It was a fermentable yep. in the same way that pumpkin and yeah. fruit and other grains were. And it was quite heavily available, like kind of depended on the time of year. And sometimes yeah. it was like that was very, very heavily available. So that's what they used. Yeah. And again, like when you go back to our pumpkin beer episodes, like pumpkin beers, like people just get, oh, gross, who does that? It's like, well, yeah, but like. Well, but that's what they have. From our viewpoint, yeah, because pumpkins aren't. Yeah as massive as they are no. like, over there. Like in colonial America, yeah. that was quite a yearly crop. And it's probably have. quite a colonial, a, a colonist mindset yeah. that, you know, yeah, we've developed barley to be used in our beers and that's what was prevalent, what we've got, what we, what we cultivated to make our beer with. But other places, that's not the readily available crop. So there are like sorghum, people don't know like, oh, sorghum, what's that? Like... It's used predominantly in African brewing because it's a grain that's that is predominant on that continent. So it is just like colonial America is like maize. Such it's like <laughs> yeah, right. And pumpkin, maize and pumpkins. Pumpkins makes sense. Like it's just that like, well, this is the way that beer is made. No, it's the way that we make beer because that's what we had. And yeah, we then colonised everywhere else and made them do it too. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like part of that as well was like over here as well. You had, I mean, you're a lot old, like, Britain is a lot older than the US. Yeah. So at the time of colonial America, it's not like we had things up and running in a finely tuned machine where we, like... Yeah. We did, but for a very new 
yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not like we were like, oh yes, we've established that every year we can definitely, without a doubt, grow this and this is how it's right, done. Exactly. And yeah, it, it, you know, you have to get used to like different, slightly different climates and just a whole bunch of different things. So yeah, I just, I thought that was quite interesting as well. And the way you make flaked corn, apparently, um, and this is just what I found online, I thought it was really mm. weird and interesting. Um, by steaming and pressing, which says thus gelatinizing and drying <laughs> the corn through hot rollers. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a step that you have to do. So when people are making like light lagers uh, and they're adding corn to that, because that, by adding corn it lightens up the body, um, that has to go through like a pre-mash to gelatinize the starches. Um, so that would be why that's done like that because it's not where so the uh, starches in barley gets gelatinized in the mashing process but corn isn't gelatinized until it's at a much higher temperature so you have to do that first before it goes into the regular mash because otherwise you won't get the sugars that you need Mm. from it to make it fermentable so that's why they do that yeah and i guess yeah i mean as far as flaked flaked maize goes it's Mm -hmm. fairly common in um, British bitters and milds, so <laughs> checks yeah. out. Um, body. Yeah, and, and it was common in American light lagers mm. as well. But um, the one that really intrigued me more so than that was the invert sugar number three, because mm-hmm. I was like, "What the actual fuck?" <laughs> like I'd never heard of that before. I've heard but of it. I'd never heard of it before. But basically, what it seems to boil down to, <laughs> quite literally, um, it's a simple syrup. Oh yeah. <laughs> like when you read it it's like made just with sugar and water like yeah. a simple syrup so I was like okay so I've like done all this research into it like trying to google 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 what invert sugar number three is yeah. and it just I mean there's various ways that it can be talked about whether it's in food whether it's in drinks whether it's like it's all kind of in what you're making with that mm-hmm. but I couldn't find in the googling I did I couldn't I struggled to find something that would hit on what I was looking for, which is like, what is invert sugar number three, as opposed to number two or number one, and is there a number four? Um, So I would say, and you know, don't quote me on this, but this is what I would say that probably means. So you get like, um, so it's probably the level of colour on that sugar. So you get like, there's the malt that can be used called carafa. You get carafa one, two, three. Carafa two and three are darker than carafa one. So it's probably a more caramelised sugar. And because, um, like, Belgian candy sugar that gets used in brewing comes in different colours as well. So that, so, okay, that was yeah. mentioned sort of as, like, part of it is, like, uh, in one of the articles I was reading, yeah. it sort of did mention that as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's basically saying it's just made from table sugar and water. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that just makes me think, like, simple syrup. To which I then found another article that said, other names for invert sugar include artificial honey. And apparently mm-hmm. that's technically the same as an invert sugar okay but there's like elements of it that are obviously a bit different yeah. more like sciencey stuff that I'm, i didn't bother noting it down because i was like i am not a scientist that's big science yeah it was there was yeah. some big science but then it just said like also like regular honey but i don't think when it says that's like the same thing that it is the same thing i think they were just talking no. about elements and what it does yeah Within a beer. Yeah. Um, and then they're also saying, like, invert it's invert maple syrup. Basically, it says, all maple syrup contains a small amount of invert sugar, but invert maple syrup is basically to a higher level. Okay. So that was interesting. Never heard of that either. 
um, and then inverted inverted sugar syrup, mm-hmm. um, and that's made with invert cane sugar. Um, that's more used for like commercial baking and stuff like that. Um, and basically, saying kind of there's like two types of that. So there's a fifty percent and a one hundred percent inverted sugar syrup. So fifty percent still retains half of its sugar content as sucrose, but half is inverted to glucose and fructose. The 100% has had all inverted to glucose and fructose. Okay. Again, this is all very like sciencey for me. I'm not, it, I was never great at science, but I did think that was like quite interesting. Um, and I found like quite a lot of we- um, websites as well that sort of were talking about, it was kind of mixed because a lot of places would make these claims about like, well, people used in the back in the day, people use invert sugar, because it was cheaper, it was more cost-effective, like rationing. But then actually, I read another article that was like, there's actually no basis for that, really. Um, there's been times when malts were cheaper than sugar, and yeah. they still continue to use it. So they kind of said it was more, the sugar was used more actually, um, so that it was getting the, the flavour and the colour correct mm-hmm. of what people wanted to drink. Like yeah. it was more sugar was creating a flavour that was more appealing to mm. British people. So I just thought that was quite interesting because I initially went into this assuming that it was going to be a price point thing or a yeah. rationing thing or something like that. And what I came out with was uh, I don't, well, that may be the case for some places during certain periods of time. Yeah. I'm not actually 100% sure that that's like a hard and fast rule because again they kind of pointed out sometimes people continue to use it and it was the more expensive ingredient that they were going to put into it so interesting. yeah i thought that was quite interesting yeah that is interesting and this is a lovely beer it's really nice <laughs> i um i i've been waiting to like drink this so bad i can watch <laughs> this episode and uh i was like oh what's it gonna be like what's it gonna be like and it's really really lovely because yeah. i was thinking like a historic recipe like how is it gonna either be in my brain? I was like, is it either gonna be something that's like so traditional and so like straightforward? Yeah, it's not though. It's not at all what I would expect. And yeah. it's not in my opinion. It's not at all dated. Like it is no. it's an old recipe, but, yeah. but I don't drink it and go, oh, that's quite. Mm. That tastes quite old or quite dated or this doesn't. Appeal I mean, to I feel like if someone put that in front of me and said it was just pale ale, if I'd be like, yeah, okay. I think if I was looking at it, yeah. If I was tasting it, I think I'd feel like it was a little bit more complex than yeah, maybe you'd what there's I was something more in, You'd be like, oh, there's something interesting about it. But if you stuck like, in front of someone without telling yeah. them it was a mild... I wouldn't guess mild. If somebody no. put this in front of me and said, what is and this? You wouldn't, it wouldn't say, you wouldn't think it was like from an old recipe. No, I think I would actually quite struggle with identifying what mm. it is because I think the taste versus yeah. the colour would throw me off a bit and I'd be like, oh, Because you're right, it's like pale, but then yeah. also there's something very unique about it and complex about it in a way that like most straightforward pails like you just you'd go oh I'm not 100% sure if that's right but that would just be the best guess that you'd have yeah I think it's interesting how breweries go back to classic recipes and old recipes because if you've got like are craft brewers less so because they're so new in the grand scheme of brewing like they're not necessarily going to have these things to draw on but like your older breweries are going to have those old brewing books and that history that they can go and look back into and find interesting things. And it's and by looking at these old recipes, that's how some of our beer styles got saved, by home brewers mm-hmm. and by breweries trying to do interesting things. Because they were like, that looks interesting, let's see what we can do with that. Um, and I think as well, like 
that's how wit beer is still about now because yeah, yeah, someone yeah. found an old recipe like someone really enjoyed it tried recreating the old recipe and then because that was popular other Belgian breweries were like well we've got a recipe for that somewhere up in the attic let's go dust it off and remake it so there's a real I think this is what I really like about craft beer is it can be very innovative with you know your crazy sm- smoothie sours and you know beers that look like milkshakes but you can also go back to the roots and really look at interesting things and see what you can do from there and if you can tweak it and make it more interesting for people that are drinking today i think like i would actually argue that some of the innovation that we see today is just going back yeah because we're so used to like hazy boys yeah. and oh and i just want to point out that i did find um an article and i've saved the link for that article uh that said something about corny boys oh like, to me it said corny boys and that made me laugh amazing. it was it was like corny boys b-o-i-s as usual yeah was, like amazing so we, uh, we need to leave boys. that just because it's an article. I don't even boys. think it's necessarily relevant to this episode, but I feel like we should link it because it's fun. It's yeah. a cool Can we just do it? Right, so I think we now need to do a boys episode. We need a crispy boy, a hazy boy, a corny boy. <laughs> a corny boy. Honestly, that uh, I didn't even read the article. I think I read two sentences of it and I was like, hilarious. I, and it didn't have anything to do with what I was trying to find out. And I was like, but I love it. I'm going to save that and I'm going to show Joe. Um, but I would, I would actually argue that like a lot of these breweries, because they, it tends to be sort of like the new hotness is like, you know, you've got very hoppy dippers and tippers and quippers and whatever else, or yeah. you've got stouts that are like quadruple ABVs and like all that kind of stuff. And I think everyone kind of makes this joke about like when you get really into craft beer and you get enough up your own ass about craft beer that you sort of come out the other side and you go, yeah. I just want a lager. I yeah. just want a really good lager. Yeah. And I do arguably to some degree think that's quite <laughs> true. And I think naturally if we're kind of going around in a circle, we go, okay, I'm kind of bored with all this like creative, like it's hard to say because it's like bored with creativity. I'm never bored with creativity and innovation and all that. But when you kind of have similar things over and over again, you kind of forget to go back to basics. Yeah. And sometimes it's just nice to go back to basics. And I think, I would argue, part of that creativity is going back to old styles. Yeah, yeah 100%. It's, I feel like the creativity and the innovation can sometimes be going back to a recipe that nobody's making. And it doesn't matter if it was like a really old recipe that was really popular, but you take that and you do something slightly different to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but like, so... Did you ever get to drink Midas Touch by Dogfish Head? No, I've not even heard of it. I've heard I, Dogfish Head. I managed that. to get it. Um, so, one time when I was in America. So, they... <laughs> one, time. one time when I was over there. It was a, uh, a beer where Dogfish Head managed to work with a biomolecular... Bio- can't even say it. Biomolecular <laughs> archaeologist I'm, I'm not scientific, but I'm like, biomolecular. You can say that. Uh, called Dr. Patrick McGovern, and he found a um, like a vessel in the tomb of what they think is King Midas, and they kind of scraped the inside of it and did some work on it, and they think they found a kind of beer wine mead hybrid type thing that they were drinking back then, so like two thousand seven hundred years ago, um, and they came up with the recipe from their research and the biomolecular work on it That's fucking of insane. the recipe of this beer wine mead hybrid and dogfish has brewed it <laughs> and then they were like this <laughs> they then tweaked it <laughs> they're like this is fucking 
point they then were like, like no this is like, not what anybody right. wants to drink Absolutely. so they then um tweaked it and they added honey muscat grape um i think that was it i think they did that because because you know you wanted some honey from the mead you wanted some grapes from the wine and then brewed it with in a regular kind of beer way and they came up with this beer called midas touch which is based on that beer that was brewed 2,700 years ago. I love that they're like, Oop. I mean, they tweaked it because obviously the actual beer, like the they, actual Do you think they tasted it they like, those people had no taste buds? Zero. <laughs> zero but it's what zero they had at the time. Buds. Like, the barley wouldn't have been to the standard that we have it now. Like, but do you think you know, like they liked they back probably, in the day? Do you think they just tolerated it? Do you think well, yeah, they were like, they they were like this is the, the best thing we've yeah, had? The processes wouldn't have been the same. Or like, do you think they were like... They didn't have hops... And I'm sure they would have used hops, like Dogfish Head would have used hops in it. They wouldn't have had hops, necessarily. Um, they'd probably used like a gruet type spice mixture to add to it. Um, they uh, they probably, potentially, could have done the mash by like sticking a bag of malt into the river. <laughs> like, you know, and then there's stuff in the river. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah, not going to be the sanitised way that we brew now so you know really that that was a really interesting beer i think they still make it i think someone over here should try to make it and so twist on it if they do still make it and listeners you can get hold of one try it because i tried it and it was really interesting so it wasn't with it no it was interesting like they tweaked the recipe and this is this goes to that innovation that we were talking about like they took that ancient recipe when this is weird let's make it so that people now I actually want to drink it like and tweak it and make it interesting. We've got a good recipe. So yeah, so that's a fun. That it's fun. Oh, recipes are fun. <laughs> I'm interested in that actually. Yeah, I want to try it. Get your mum to find it when she goes home. <laughs> I think it'd be really hard. <laughs> I got it in Florida. Like literally never heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, interesting. And it's pe- it, cheese pairing. Yeah. It's spiced chevre. Yeah. Chevre. Asian dishes. Risotto oh, curries. Oh, I love a good Asian dish. And if you go on the Dogfish Head, because we're looking at Dogfish Head website, there's actually a little video on there. I'll I'll link that in as well so you can see it. And there's an essay from Dr. Pat Pat about it as well. So, interesting. (laughs) I wonder if they still make it. We'll find out. We'll Google it. Mm, It's not on the 2022 beer releases. That's sad. But I've had it and it was good. Someone (laughs) over here needs to make something similar. Yeah. Number three. Right, we're on to <laughs> Holy Goat. Yeah, I'm glad that we're sharing that. Yes, this would be what quite a lot. 7.5 is actually not that bad. Oh, that's not too it's bad. It's not too bad. Um, but yeah, this is their export out 1897. Um, so this one, let me actually... It's a can, everybody, not a bottle. It is a can. Holy Goat, so, you know, I'm used to them being in, ca- in bottles. I'm just going to pull up the... It's not on there, which is... uh, There is no information on the can. No information on the can. I know what it is because I've looked it up, but there's no information on the can. Mm. It's basically the information that you would see on the can that's not there. It's basically the recipe was inspired by the stouts of York, strong, (laughs) dark, and well-hopped with all British ingredients. Mm. So it's in the late 1800s, these strong, well-hopped stouts were brewed, uh, brewed for export by Scottish brewers such as William Younger and Co. Uh, using a base of pale brown and black malts, we produced our own version. So, basically I tried to look up William Younger and Co. Yeah, I was like, don't know much about them to be honest. Yeah, do you want to pour it? I 
I thank you. Mother. <laughs> you're the mum today, or whatever, whatever that phrase is, you're the mum. Hi, mother. Yes, that's it. <laughs> it's in my brain, as you're the mum. Uh, so, yeah, so I tried looking into it, and um, basically they began in 1749. So, again, this was like another one that pre mean looking into Shepanim, being like, oh, it's quite old. Um, yeah. So, yeah, started in 1749 in Edinburgh. They merged with McEwen's in 1931 to form Scottish breweries. They then merged with Newcastle Breweries in 1960s and became Scottish and Newcastle Breweries Limited. And then they were acquired by Heineken in Carlsberg in 2008. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, here's all these like merging, 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 and then I was like, uh, the basically, as of 2008, they were Heineken and Coffee. Whether or not that, I don't know if they actually still up. That was the last that I saw. Yeah. Was was they were there? Um, basically, like in the 19th century. So what I found on Beer Advocate, so I was like, let me try to find something. So mm-hmm. I couldn't find any recipe in particular that, like I couldn't find any of their like, actual recipes or anything like that. Like, yeah. There was nothing without doing a super deep dive, which I didn't do a super, super deep dive. Yeah. I just tried to see what I could see. Um, I couldn't find anything similar, but what I could find was on Beer Advocate, it said about them in the 19th century, um, they usually had four or five beers with a gravity over 1,100 degrees in their range um Ooh. yeah and before the 1860s they were shilling ales so um strong mild ales uh, they were you know the shilling we talked about them in another episode yeah we talked about um various different scottish uh styles so there's scottish light um uh scottish heavy and scottish export are the three um and they are 60 70 and 80 shilling respectively because that's how much a Barrel cost. <laughs> yeah, it was it was yeah. like around there. So um so yeah, and then the eighteen sixties they introduced a range of numbered strong ales, one, two, three, and four. Okay. So I mean I've got a link to it. We can put the link there that kind of mm-hmm. says more about all that kind of stuff about them. Um but I saw it in Robert Chambers' book Traditions of Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Young, so it says Younger's Edinburgh Ale was described as a potent fluid which almost glued the lips of drinkers together Ooh. and of which few could if you could have more than a bottle, basically. If you could dispatch more than a bottle. It got you real drunk, is what that means. So I thought that was really interesting, which is what sent me down looking what the yeah. OVV was, which is where I found the beer advocate. So I just, yeah, interesting. It's like I couldn't find that much on the recipes or anything like that. I'm sure that if I had done a proper, proper, like, scrub of the internet, I could have probably found something. There was so... The problem was there was so much there, and it... I think the problem is when you have breweries like this where the history is so vast, Mm. and you have, like, buyer after buyer after merge after whatever else, it's not that you lose the history. It's like there's so much there that gets pulled up on a search. Um, So I just thought, fuck it, let's just dig in and see what it's like. Mm -hmm. Um... It smells beautiful. It smells chocolatey. Oh, it, it smells really chocolatey, chocolatey, but it smells. What I really like is that it has a smell of like a milk chocolate, and not yeah. as much of like a cooking cacao. Yeah. Like a rich, like it doesn't smell too rich. Yeah. It smells smooth, like a smooth chocolate. Yeah. A touch of coffee in there. Yeah, slight roasty, slight nutty in a way. Mm, bit nutty. Oh, I like that. It's like nutty undertones. Yeah. It's very smooth. It's very smooth. I will say, it, five, uh, t- well, I don't know, because I think it tastes about right 
for 7.5. I would even say that the booziness sticks out a little bit more. Yeah. And I think it's because I'm so used to having, like, dippers that mm. are 7.5 range. And the f- the fruitiness in dippers sort of, like, hides the alcohol. Yeah. Because it can kind of taste like... When you have fruity cocktails, but there's not actually that much alcohol in there. Yeah. It kind of can emulate that, but this, there's nowhere to hide. No. I feel like this is like a no-frills, really well done beer. There's not, there's lots of flavour there, but there's nothing, there's not these big adjuncts that are going to hide the booziness in yeah. the same way. But yeah. I would, I would say it doesn't taste too much that it's not enjoyable. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. And it's, like, there's roastiness there, but it's not got that, like, there's not too much bitterness no. in there with that roastiness. Um, I feel like that it's that roastiness that like when you do the exhale yes like, I was about like to say I'm kind of going coffee notes on the exhale mm. with a little bit of nutty undertone there yeah not to sound like a total it's wanker that but it's creamy it is it's very velvety yeah I would say like if I feel like if you told me there was some element of like nitro in it I yeah. could potentially believe that because yeah. it has that yeah, like totally velvety that. smooth light you can Touched see, it. look on the, like, you can see the alcohol oh, in yeah. it on the glass, like, leggies. It's leaving legs behind. Leggy. Considering it's only 7.5. Looks with those. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's lacing quite nicely. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, so I, a famous foreign export, so it's an export stout, so that kind of comes in with the foreign export, foreign extra stouts. Um, very famous one of that is... Guinness, they do a foreign extra. Um, we've had it. Yeah. We had it on I episode, think we have. We? Yeah, I think we did. And um, that's very kind of dried fruits in its flavour, along with the roastiness and the boozy. Whereas this is much more chocolatey coffee, um, which I think makes it a little bit... I don't know whether... Um, I don't want to say it makes it a bit more drinkable, because I think the, the dried fruits probably works in a, mm. in a warmer climate, because, you know, it's being exported to warmer places um this this is just a very nice wintry beer isn't it well it's quite it's been a bit of a shit day yeah. the day that we're recording it's been absolutely chucking it down mm-hmm. um i've been out sightseeing a castle in the chucking it down rain yeah. the airbnb is nice but it, there's a slight bit of cold because it's open plan yeah. where we're sat so the heat yeah. doesn't it's not like i go in the lounge and i shut the door and you can trap the heat in there actually it's not too cold in here at the moment but it was like chilly outside yeah. and then it takes a while to actually warm up so it is like i feel like it's the perfect weather for yeah. just not to date it but we did just have bonfire night yeah. um yesterday so it feels very right for this time of year to be yeah. fair and I, I i think the more i drink it the less boozy it tastes yeah i think maybe what's happened is we've gone from drinking around the five percent range mm. and then jumping up to something dark that seven Point five has those extra two percents and the fact that it's it's a darker more like sort of like bold in that sense yeah. flavor has made it kind of stick out a bit more but actually now that i'm drinking it it's i say it tastes about right for 7.5 but i would say yeah it's it's very drinkable for 7.5 yeah. percent it's a sipper though like you're not going to be chugging this bad boy i think you could but i don't think you'd want to like again I mean, for me i think people i i think the quality of it you could like somebody if they wanted to could chug it it wouldn't be difficult to do it but i feel like it you'd really lose 
I feel like it's one to sit because it's like something to enjoy and you sit there watching a film or something and yeah. snuggled up on a sofa and it's something nice and warm to snuggle up with. I feel like if you're going to just chug something like this, then what's the point of what's buying it? <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't get the people that chug the really good No judgment. Like, if that's I what do you what you want to do. That's so how you, you want to drink it, that's how you want to drink it. You are missing out on the complexities but that's it, so the feel levels like... of flavour within that beer if you're just chucking it down your neck. And I think that this is something that I'm not going to say that in terms of complexity it has the most like depth of all no. these different like range but I think that's why I wouldn't chug this because it is so straight to the point with its yeah. flavours it's it, it's exactly you know what you're smelling and seeing is what you're getting and it's just easy to sip on and really enjoy and I feel like if you were to just chug that it would feel yeah with the type of beer it is as well it would just feel like you just, I don't know, it would feel like wasted. Mm-hmm. To me, it would feel wasted, but everyone's entitled to drink it how they want. I just feel like this is one that's definitely for sipping. sipping. Yeah, <laughs> it's for sipping. It is. Do you find anything else interesting about it? I like the label quite a bit. I mean, I like Holy Goat. Like, Holy Goat's labels like, are great. So, for those like that Holy aren't on the video, um, it's like a skeleton man with a hat with a top hat on. It's fancy. Um, He's in and a beard. He he's got a beard. He's got a white beard. He's got a pint. It's an aggressive and he's beard. Like yeah, it's a big beard. Um, it's like proper ZZ top beard. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he's drinking a pint, and it looks like he's like in a bubbling coffee, <laughs> having a bath in a coffee. It doesn't look like he's having a bath. In coffee. Yeah. like a coffee hot tub or something. Yeah. <laughs> Either that, or he's being boiled in boiled in or beer. Boiled. It depends on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Do you want to take glass half full or glass half empty? Literally. Well, how and do you then want to view it? It looks like there's lots of snake skeletons on it. Oh, lots of danger noodles. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I love it. I love a good danger yeah. noodle. Yeah. Someone at work yeah. the other day asked me if I knew what a danger noodle is. I was like, do I know what it? Of course I know what a danger noodle is. Get I would out. not know what a danger noodle was. Or like a, a note rope. I was like, yes, I know a what a note rope is. Right. Because you know no snakes. Snakes. They're called <laughs> danger noodles and note ropes. Or just snakes. It's not fun. Though, <laughs> it's not how you get Minister of Fun, Joe. Uh, this is true. <laughs> you don't this Google this Minister is of Fun by calling a snake a snake. You are the Minister of Fun. This is true. I forgot about that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just think Holy Goat like kind of crush it. Everything they yeah. do, to be fair, like I, I always find that what they do, even when it is something like this, that's the no frills. It's such high quality. Yeah, and that's maybe why I feel like again, it's it's a, it's a beer to sit because it's such. In my mind, high quality, like luxury, taste like it. It tastes luxurious. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's a way that I no, can really describe yeah. it, but um, I'm enjoying that. Yeah, it's a good one. Let's sip this and get on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> Take three. This is number three. You're gonna notice the camera quality has changed. Is, it's different. It's changed. Different viewpoint. Yes. Different all that. Do you want to know why? It's because we've tried this now twice. And thankfully, <clears throat> neither of the times have we got towards popping this Thank bottle. Thank goodness. Thankfully, because we cannot recreate that. Um, I have some tech issues. My but, phone doesn't yeah. want to record. But it's fine. <laughs> now we're going to rattle through it all again. So we found it. We're probably going to go with a bit of uh, a bit of an ass on now. Because we're going to be like, let's, <laughs> let's just go. do this. I want to drink let's it. Let's go. Right, so. Oh, Minimins. Number four. <laughs> oh, beer number four 200 is years old. Two hundredth anniversary blend, Erdgers from Lindemans, and it is called Cuerve Francisca. Um, can I have a guess why? Yeah, you can Francisca guess why. Francisca was the oldest daughter 
of a farmer and they brood on the farm. I mean, she wasn't, she was just the daughter. She wasn't the eldest daughter. She's elaborating now. She's making things up. <laughs> so, you just tell us Francisca, the truth. Francisca, the first true lady of Lindemans. She was the first lady of Lindemans. So, she um, was born on a farm and her dad had a farm and he brewed on the farm. He taught her to brew. She then met a lovely man. Right, so she uh, she was the daughter of a farmer. He brewed on the farm, taught her to brew. She then met a man called Use Franz Lindemann. See where this is going. She got married to him. They started brewing on the farm. That was in 1822, and Lindemann's was born. So we're at 200 years since Lindemann started. So they have produced a 200th anniversary blend in the first lady's name. And you can see on the label, she's very beer princess. Yeah. She's the beer princess I wish I was. A lovely hot um, coloured dress on. If you're watching on. the video, if you're not, just take our word for it. Yeah. That she is the beer princess that all of us want to be, really. And it's a lovely painted on label. Joni's to whack this candle in there, let the wax roll down. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's an Erdgers. That means it can only be called that if it is a blend of one, two and three year old Lambics. This is actually a blend of one, two, three, and four-year-old Lambics. Uh, and on the website about this, they handily tell you which oak casks the Lambics came from. So it's 20% from T1001, 35% from T1006, 35% from T1017, and 10% Young Lambic, which is from an oak cask fooder, which is T1014. Um, the young lambic is what makes it a gurz and makes it re-ferment and makes it all nice and fizzy. Uh, then the entire blend was allowed to ferment for another 12 months in the bottle before it was ready for the public. They only created 20,000 bottles of this and they have been shipped to five different continents around the world. And then the brewery also has 200 Jeroboams. Jeroboams? Jeroboams. We're going all in probably butchered that. <laughs> uh, they are three litre bottles of this, and they are going to be reserved for special occasions. I feel like this is a special occasion. Very special occasion. Because we're in the same place. I can share it with you. And I basically said that, I can't believe she's sharing it with me, but unfortunately... It's because we're besties. Unfortunately, she's... I've got to now. She has to now, because we've done this three times now. <laughs> we're definitely doing it. It's definitely we're there. Definitely it's happening. It. Right. Maybe, maybe this was the I'm bottle's gonna, way of being I'm like, no, please. <laughs> I'm open it. It's not special And then, there you go. Right, there's a cup. Right. So this is the cheap Belgian, Belgian beer. You've taken the crown cap off. and Oh, look, there's a cork in it. I said this. I said I was like, I bet there's a cork in it. No, she says... She's like, there's definitely a cork in it. Um, so I bought this in a set from beer merchants. Um, my top tip, if you want to find out about interesting and unique beers, is to make sure that you are getting the email uh, emails from your favourite bottle shops. So sign up for their email lists. I got uh, an email from beer merchants over in Hackney in London, and they had got sets of these in. So it was... This 200th anniversary Gers, there was um, the 2022 Erd Gers, and a Creek and a Blossom Gers. We're going to have to share that at some point as well. Yeah, definitely. Sounds lovely. This is when it's going to explode over everything, isn't it? Ah! Yay! It's not spilled everywhere. What is Oh, it smells nice. <sighs> what what a palaver. That is the definition of a palaver, I think. 
Is this still recording? I feel We're like I need to double check. Is this still, still recording? recording? Okay. <laughs> what an absolute palaver. Oh. Ta-da! She fizzy. I feel like I need like a proper champagne flute. We've got the wild beer co ones. We've got the wild beer co ones. Oh, cheers for that effort. That was a proper job there. Cheers. Cheers. We earned that. You earned that. Yeah, <laughs> I tried. I was like, I quit. Oh, it smells lovely. I'm getting like <sighs> fruity. So fruity, like a bit of peach. Fruity and funky. I love fruity and funky. Oak, bit of funk. It smells creamy. I think definitely peach. It is like a softer yeah. stone stone fruit. fruit. <laughs> softer stone fruit. As they fruit. like to say. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful bottle. The the photo, like like you said, it's painted. Yeah. It's like a painted on bottle. It's like it's always the thing of like labels are great, so you can peel labels off. But when it's painted on, there's like just some extra like elevated level of like yeah. beauty to it. Um, but then it's almost like you can only have so many of those before you're like shit. What do I stop doing with the bottles? Right. I know. I'm going to start decorating, and then I'm going to run out of spaces. And you have to make sure you like proper clean the bottles and everything mm-hmm. like that as well, because if not, and it gets all like gross on the inside, so you really have to clean it out. And... Guess what ABV this is? Wow, that's a bit grapey. Mm. Guess the ABV. Guess the ABV. It's a new game. I feel like I'm going to say something, and it's going to be a lot higher than what I think it is. <laughs> I would guess like maybe five, probably sub five. Right. Right. Eight percent. Fuck off. It's so light. And it's delicious. very light and fruity. It's dangerous, and it's seven fifty mil. <laughs> like it tastes more like a like a wine. Sp- it's not like like a wine spritzer. Like yeah. a wine spritzer yeah. in the sense it has that like Chardonnay grape so quality good. to it, and the sparkling element to it in a way, and it like feels like it would be lighter than it is yeah it's got a nice dry finish as well yeah. so you, it keeps making you wanting to go back for more that's the thing i mean it's like with the white like the wine element mm. to it it's it it's has cute. that white wine fruitiness but dryness there's a bit of creamy vanilla in there mm. this is the i feel like this is the wrong season for this beer like this should have been like in the garden i got cheese we can get the cheese oh, out the, the cheese out yes it's definitely a cheese beer not Definitely as in it's cheesy, cheesy as in you should as drink it with cheese. You should drink it with cheese. Wow. This oh, is really it. good. Oh, it is. Oh, I just got hit with that creaminess. Yeah. It's lovely. So the uh, tasting notes from the website are this Erdgers pours a golden blonde colour, combining flavours of oak, citrus and notes of vanilla with a pleasing sherry aroma and a refreshing sourness. It is a dry, complex and beautifully balanced Oudgers for enthusiasts and those new to the style alike. I think I wouldn't have got sherry, but now they said it, I'm like, okay, I can kind of get that. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because like, so they say like new to someone new to the style. I think that I still personally feel like this is a potentially an acquired taste. Like you have to be a person that, I do think that if somebody drinks certain types of wines mm-hmm. or something like that they probably would have more an appreciation for this than someone yeah. that's used to like trance styles or yeah. hazy boys or anything like that it's very different to any of that like i feel like if you're not a person that likes funky beers yeah it's going to be a struggle for you unless you are a person that also likes that similar qualities i guess in yeah. a wine or something but saying that i think out of all of the funky beers that i've had all the f- weird, like, f- funky fermentation stuff. Like, 
this is probably this would probably be more introductory than a lot of other stuff um because i think there's a lot it's all there but it's almost a bit more mild there's still lots of complexity there and lots of interesting characteristics about it but i think sometimes like for some people i like the funk for some people they do not like the funk and the funk funk. can be like really heavy and this i don't think the funk is overwhelming it's light that just kind of adds a layer of complexity in the background um it's almost in the aftertaste that that funk's there it's just kind of like an earthy funky bit at the back and you definitely Um, get like the definitely yeah woody oaky definitely very wine like um, but it's light and spritzy. It's like a sparkling, like some type yeah. of like a sparkling wine or a spritz or something yeah. like that. And I feel like if you were having it with, with the right cheese combination mm. as well, like, and you weren't necessarily into this style, I feel like you could get into this style quite yeah. easily with it. Like, yeah, I. it's hard because I'm sort of in two minds when they're like, yeah, for someone new to the style, it's like, I'd be very careful about who I would gift a bottle of that yeah. to like a very special 750 or opening it with someone that's new to the style and being yeah. like yeah, yeah cool just have this because you like this with it with just anybody you know i, was, I knew I you'd appreciate it <laughs> and i do but i feel like that is that thing if, if you bought it and you opened it like mm. you can expect someone that's new to the style even with as entry level as this is yeah. for for that to land in the same way as it will for someone that at least appreciates beer even if that's not their normal go-to yeah. style um Eight percent. I cannot believe that's eight percent. Eight percent. It doesn't taste like eight percent. It doesn't mm. drink eight percent at all. Not at all. Good stuff. That's really good. Well, good. It's a winner. It's two hundred year old. <laughs> this is a two hundred year old, but two hundred year old brewery. We were saying when we were not recording that I still have a. Uh, a pumpkin one of mm. Lindemans. Oh, that's Tinnemans. Tinnemans. Similar yet not the same. Similar but different. But I've still Tinnemans. got that pumpkin. Yeah. I, pumpkin lambic- lambicus. Yeah, lambicus. Um, yeah, it tastes like pumpkin champagne. It's so good. I think I'm going to save that for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I've been saving one. I keep being like, nope, I'm saving that. I, I opened one because I bought two um, when I bought that. And I opened one for my birthday this year. Um, and I've still got one. I don't know when I'm going to open it yet. I think mine's definitely going to be a Thanksgiving one. Yeah. I feel like that's like a festive autumn yeah. <laughs> special occasion. Yeah, so. it's definitely a spe- that's a special occasion beer. Well, wow. because I don't know if we can get that anymore. It was amazing when you put you found it. it actually, just, like, I think it was like on discount. Yeah, like that. Of, and I was like, go, of, go, go. Head of Steam had some, and you were like, oh, have you seen? That? Look at this. And I was like, I oh think my I was, god, I think I was looking for lambics for yeah. your for your beer course. Yeah, <laughs> for beer tent, and I was like, yeah. I found this amazing. And I was like, oh my god. And I'd had it when it first came out, and it was amazing. And then I bought two more. <laughs> and I was like, I'm buying some more now. What is it like now? And you know, you do. You told me it was good. And I was yeah. like, I'm just going to go with it because I'm putting in an yeah. order anyways. And because it's a lambic, like it was originally bottled, I think, in 2015. It can sit there for ages and develop more oh, it interesting. Has there. Yeah. In the dark, in a dark space. Yeah. A nice, dark, cool space. Yeah. So I'm excited to take that one out. Mm. Um, but yeah, I feel like, you know, obviously we're talking about old styles of beer today historic recipes old breweries and i think this is obviously an old brewery but i think one thing to highlight with this as well is it's not just an old brewery it is also a beer that you can age yeah 
I think I, I don't remember if it made it onto the beginning of this recording, <laughs> or if that was on the previous two that we that didn't capture. <laughs> but we kind of said like this style can sort of sit and yeah. sit for quite a while and just get funkier. So yeah. get more interesting and just change the taste a bit. So it's like if you're able for me, I don't know. My approach is always kind of like when I can get at least two of something. I kind of like to see have it initially when I get it and then maybe make a few like notes on it and then have it again yeah. after it's been aged for like a certain period of time and just see kind of how has that taste changed and developed and it's like you can do that with this. So I think as much as this historic episode is about more historic recipes and historic breweries, like we should talk about the time that passes. Yeah in a beer like how you can hold on to them for a while yeah and like not all beers are appropriate for that like wouldn't age hops, out no no I have done that and it, it doesn't taste no. as quality I mean it still tastes fine it, yeah but no, it's it not was, it had a staleness about it that wasn't right um hoppy beers don't do that hoppy beers because hops are volatile but the aroma and the oils are um they're volatile, so they fade off very quickly. Hops fade. So that's no good. Um, but your dark beers, malt forward beers, funky beers that are uh, fermented with bacterias and things like that, they can all age and change really interestingly. Um, and uh, did you see someone posted in one of the beer groups the other day that they went to a um, tasting and it was all like old beers. It was like barley wines and stouts and things that have been brewed for cel- for celebrations and then put aside and that. they had pulled them out and there was just this one big tasting when they had all these different beers and it's like things like beers that were brewed for the queen's silver jubilee wow. like you know those have been laid down and then saved until now and you know we were up to a platinum before she passed away so wow. like that was a fair amount of time away and those those beers have sat there and aged and changed and people could you can still drink them i mean open a beer if you've got if you find an interesting beer you're not sure whether it's going to be any good i would say like, like try it try it, it. So like, yeah when rick and i moved house it wasn't just beers or we had like some spirits we had some mead we yeah had, like things that we just acquired like it's like we went to stonehenge for the umpteenth hundredth time and i got some mead from stonehenge i've still got some like in yeah. the cupboard from like the last time i went to it every time you go to the national trust sites they're always like look we make mead and butter butter apple butter and yeah. stuff like that and then you buy them because you're like oh, all right i'll make a nice gift for someone i guess um the last time we moved house we had so 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 much of it and we were like hmm we want to get rid of it, but then Rick's like, "What if we just tried them all before we got rid of it?" And he's like, "They're not exactly going to make us sick to have no. one sip." So we sort of like we'd open one and we'd like have a sip of it, and then we were like, "It would either be like, well, that one's all right, have a few sips of that, and then like because it's like going to go down the drain yeah. anyways." And it's like, what's the worst case scenario? Like the stuff we're drinking. I said it was too. Some of it was just too alcoholic yeah. to even get bacteria. Yeah. We were like, "That's good." Um, and some of it we're like what's the worst that happens like a slight stomachache we're not having enough of it to like yeah. really matter so we just like tried all of them and some of them you'd be like horrific absolute immediate no immediately no and you'd just be like bin it and then other ones you'd be like that's all right put that to yeah. the side and then we can finish that later there is we that had a risk, moving though. house bottle try <laughs> there is that risk though that if you put down something really special 
and then you leave it too long or, you know, it doesn't get stored properly that you're kind of losing it. But, you know, sometimes you just got to give it a try. I think I'm quite guilty of that, though, to be fair. Like, if, you know, putting hands up, I've put hoppy beers down, for example. Yeah. Like, I've bought it and I've bought it for a specific reason, either to do for a podcast episode <laughs> or, like, a potential podcast episode or, like, I was like, I'll come to you and we'll share it. I'm waiting for the right person to share yeah. it that's going to appreciate it if it's something really interesting yeah. and different or hard to get or anything like that and I kind of go I'm saving it for the right moment whatever that right moment is whether it's the right person the right timing the right season whatever and then it's kind of like you overshoot it and then you you miss that right moment and then you kind of go oh well do I hold on to it for a bit longer until (laughs) it is the right moment oh actually now it's past it just drink it and then you kind of go well might as well just try to drink it don't give it a rubbish review on on untapped never never like if you didn't drink it in like three months like you were supposed to if it's past its bbe if it's past its bbe and or you've not stored it properly and it doesn't taste the way you're expecting it to that's on you that's on you you don't (laughs) yeah that's not on the brewer that's on you you can check it in to go i've drank it but don't put it don't rate it i even leave a comment if it's something that i'll be like old check in yeah, something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. If you don't remember, if you're that's another thing. If you're drinking it half cut, yeah, you don't, you don't really it, remember. Don't review. Don't it. review it. <laughs> Even if you liked it, yeah, don't don't review because that feels a bit like yeah. Unless you know for a fact it was like really really good, but then yeah. I kind of feel like if it's less than really high rating, even if you enjoyed it, it's kind of like. It's almost unfair if you're rating it lower than you yeah. might have because you were too drunk to remember the specifics. Yeah. I don't know. Pro tips. Get off my soapbox. So what we learned is basically hops fade but funky is forever. Oh I love that. That's a t shirt in the making. (laughs) That's what that's what I'm here for. It's my only skill set. My only skill set is to come up with anything to do with writing and catchphrases and the the ideas. I'm ideas who implement the ideas. Let us know if you want us to open up a t shirt store. That's called Hops Fade Funky is Forever. Funky is forever. Yeah, I love it. I like that. Feel free to like if someone wants to use that, ask yeah. me permission and then give me a t shirt yeah. and you're happy to use it. Right. <laughs> I think I think we're at the end now. We're gonna go drink the rest I think of this. We're gonna go drink the rest um, of this. Tori, if people want to tell you that they want us to open a t shirt store, where can they <laughs> if you want, if you want you? some if you want some really good ideas for your t shirt, if you want me to come up with really good ideas for your t shirt company can do that. <laughs> or any any good catchphrases for you. Uh, you can come find me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You can come find me on Instagram at adventures underscore in underscore optimism. And you can also email the podcast on a woman's brew podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I will answer those. Uh, Joe, if people want to get a testimony for my skill set from you, <laughs> <laughs> I, can give a te- I can give you a testimony about brilliant adventures in optimism is. Uh, message me at my beer school which is Love Beer Learning and we are on Facebook Instagram Twitter TikTok Pinterest and YouTube I always forget to put YouTube in there always forget to put YouTube always forget to put Um, YouTube and uh, you can come to my website which is lovebeerlearning at uh, lovebeerlearning.co.uk even and email address is lovebeerlearning at gmail.com if you'd like to email me there's some fun things in the workings that you should keep a lookout for so come join me there um, you can get hold of us on the podcast at A Woman's Brew on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we are on YouTube as A Woman's Brew Podcast. So with that, we're going to go finish this bottle of liquors. Yeah, when you don't go on our YouTube, you miss these beautiful you miss labels. These. <laughs>
If you know, you know. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>